Let's go ahead and jump right into week 11 of our James series. We're almost done. We After this week, we have two more weeks, and then we are finished with James. We are obviously in James chapter 5. The title of our message, or our series, has been Learning and Living a Faith that Works. Living and Learning a Faith that Works, and we have been focused on that for quite a while now. Obviously, for our, our theme verse, it's been James 1, 4b, which is basically that we would be perfect or mature and complete, lacking in nothing, James when we really boil it down and we really look at what James is saying, basically he wants us to grow, he wants us to mature, he wants us to become more like Jesus, and that's what his book is really all about, and that's what has been our focus for this time. Now today, we're going to actually focus in on James 5, 7 through 12. If you know anything about James, James is five chapters long, so we're almost finished, and basically we're going to be looking at James 5, 7 through 12. If we title this section, basically I would title it Patient Endurance. Patience and endurance, and that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. So we're going to jump right in and look at James 5, starting with verse number 7, and we'll read through 12, and then we'll go from there. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For example, of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job. A man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath. By heaven or earth or anything else, just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Let's pray. Father, we just need you right now. I need you right now. Father, because without you, this is just words. This is just a time that we get together with a a group of people and we talk and we sing and then we go home and nothing happens. Nothing, nothing, Nothing eternal happens. But Father, when you're here and you're in the midst of us and you're in the midst of our worship and you're in the midst of our fellowship and in the sharing of your word, Father, things change, things happen, things begin to mature in us. Seeds are planted, seeds are watered, things begin to grow. And God, that's what we desire. But Father, without you, we can't do it. Without you, I can't share what you would want me to share. And so, Father, I pray that you would literally shut my mouth and that you would speak through it. Because, God, that's what we need. That's what these individuals need. And, Father, I need it too. And so, Father, I can't do this without you, and I don't want to. So please help me. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, boy, patience. That's one of those great ones that we love to pray about because it sounds real spiritual, and then God does it, and then we hate it. I don't like waiting for things. I don't think any... I mean, let me... uh, Don't raise your hand because everyone's going to think you're really weird. But who really likes to wait for stuff? Okay? One of the things I did this week, I went to the grocery store. Emily needed something. And that is usually a bad idea to send me to the grocery store. Because I go to the grocery store and I begin to look at other things that Emily did not ask for on the list. Okay? Like you always say, like, don't go to the grocery store hungry. That should be, don't go to the grocery store hungry and don't bring me. Because I start looking around in my eyes, start getting excited. Because I'm like, ooh, look at this. And oh, look at that. It's kind of like Emily hates grocery shopping. I love it. 
That's weird, I know, but I really like it. And so she sent me to the grocery store. She needed something. And so she sent me for some spices, which are boring to me. Yeah, I mean, I like spices and stuff. But, you know, like, she's like, go get us some oregano. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, it's going to taste good whenever we were making. But, you know, go get oregano. And so I walk down the, the way, and I see this, this muffin mix. Now, you got to understand, my mom, every Sunday growing up, made a particular type of muffin, you know. And, so, and she still does. Like, we would go home for Christmas, and she still makes these on Sundays and whatever. And so I walk by, and I see these, these muffin mix that my mom made, and I see a kind I've never seen before. It was apple cider muffins. Oh, yeah. And it's fall. And plus, even better, and this was because people obviously just don't know how great muffins can be. It was on sale. Clearance. Like they were giving them away. It was like 85 cents for one of these things. And so I got 400 of them because that's what you do. If you're not at Costco, you make it like you're at Costco. And so I walk in and I get all these. And so I get home and I'm all excited. And like she always is like looks in the bag like going, what did you buy that I didn't ask for? You know, and I, I usually come home with something. And I came home and I was like, look, look, mother. And she was like, oh, great. She doesn't really like them, you know. And so I was all excited about it. We had dinner. Well, as soon as dinner was over and we're getting east and ready for bed, I run downstairs. And basically I, I, I start, you know, this is easy muffin mix, okay? This is put the powder in, put milk, stir it, stick it in the oven. That's my kind of cooking. That's, that's, that's my, because that's, that's the only kind of cooking I can do. And so I'm making this mix and I'm putting it in there. And then it said I had to wait basically 12 minutes. And so we put Easton to bed, and I put it in there, and then I'm just standing at the, at the oven, just waiting. You know? You ever bake something like that, like with the cinnamon in it? And it starts to smell eventually, and you're like, oh. And you get excited because you're just waiting for your muffins. Has anyone else ever experienced this? Because you're all looking at me like I'm nuts. <laughs> Donuts, cake, whatever good thing you like to eat, Okay? And I'm just sitting there, I'm smelling it, and I'm waiting, and I'm anticipating, and I'm excited. And, I, and it's hard because I want to experience one of these right now. But I know if I pull them out too early, they're all going to be gooey inside. They're not going to be good, and I have to wait. And so I'm just sitting there, and i got my timer, and I'm just waiting, and I'm just waiting. Nobody's good at that. Nobody's good at that because we're excited about what is in store. And here James begins basically this section, and he's basically saying, listen, you got to be patient. You're going to have to wait at times, and that's not easy. And so what James encourages us to do, and the first thing we're going to look at, is imitate the patient endurance of the farmer. He says, let me give you an example of this. Let me help you understand this situation. And so he looks in James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Basically, we see this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Listen, I don't know about you. I am ready for Jesus to come back. I'm excited about Jesus coming back. Listen, I want to get off of this rock. I'm excited about what God has for us. Those things that God talks about that we can't even dream and imagine. I am ready for that stuff. But it's hard. We got to wait. We got to wait. And he says, he says, consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rain in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly, eagerly look... For the valuable harvest to ripen, you too must be patient. Take courage, 
for the coming of the Lord is near. Now you have to remember, we've got to look at this in the context of what is being written. Last week we talked about how James was talking about um, the rich people that were opposing them and, and, and basically causing them pain and things like that. So basically we're, we're, we're taking that and James just talked about all that sort of stuff. And now he's saying, listen, take courage because I know you're suffering and I know you're going through some stuff, but you've got to be patient. You've got to wait. And so he uses the farmer as an illustration of that. And so when we think about it, this is in your notes, when we think about it, the waiting and need for endurance we have in the Christian life is very much like the waiting of the farmer. So let's look at some of those things. Let's look at some of the things that we can use to imitate so we can understand. The first thing, he waits with reasonable hope and expectation of reward. That's a wonderful thing. Okay? He goes, he works, he plants, he gets the soil ready, he waters, he does all those things. Why does he do that? He doesn't do it because he's bored. He doesn't do it because he's got nothing else to do with his life. He does it because he is looking forward to the harvest. He is looking forward to the reward of that. Listen, I am definitely of the mindset, you don't want to be so earthly minded, you're no, you're no, you don't want to be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Okay? You understand that concept? However... There are times where we need to focus in on what our reward is going to be. We need to look and say, God, this isn't fun right now. This isn't easy. But there will come a day where all these things will be remembered. All these things are going to happen. It's going to be an amazing moment. And however you choose to do that is fine. I have a friend of mine who lives in Ireland. And when we went, I took the youth three or four years ago um, to Ireland for a missions trip. And it was awesome. And I got to meet some people there. And I have a friend there. His name is Leo. And Leo is one of the most incredible guys you'd ever, you know, see. And I, I don't do real good, just so you know, I don't do real good with long-distance relationships of any kind. I'm just not that kind of guy. But Leo and I still talk. Leo and I still will, will, will chat on uh, and do text and, and call each other once in a while because you can do that over line now, which is amazing to me. I still think that's crazy. I'll send a message and it'll go delivered and it just traveled thousands of miles over the ocean. And we'll talk, and Emily and I were talking about Leo a couple days ago. Because I talked to him just this week. And I said, you know, Em, you know one of the things I'm really looking forward to? She said, what? I said, I'm so looking forward to being able to spend all the time I want to with Leo in the new heaven and the new earth. That's a reward for me. That's exciting for me. That makes sometimes the little things that we deal with pale in comparison. And that's just spending time with a guy that I really love and I care about deeply. There's going to be so much that we're going to enjoy. There's going to be so much. And he waits knowing that the reward is going to come. The next thing, he waits a long time. He waits a long time. You don't put it in the ground and tomorrow you'll wake up and then it's there. It takes time. You've got to wait sometimes longer than you would want. Sometimes it becomes even difficult. I mean, you know, we think about the harvest and we put, put a seed in the ground, maybe a tomato plant in the ground, and then it begins to grow. You know, we don't even do that anymore. We go to Lowe's or go to Home Depot or go to the nursery, and what do we buy? We buy a plant that's already grown. We don't go buy a tree. You know, when I was a kid, you like to plant a tree. What does that mean? Oh, you go get a seed and you put it in the ground and you cover No, you don't do that. You go to the nursery and you buy a big old tree and you stick it in the ground. What we're hearing here, what we're seeing here, is this idea of seed planting. That takes a long time. You may get a tree and finally get a tree, and then it's going to take another couple years just to get fruit on the tree. It takes a long time. 
We have to understand that. Sometimes you're going to wait longer than you want because it's going to take longer than you think it's going to happen or take longer than you think it should take to happen. Next, he waits working all the while. Here's the thing about a farmer that I've seen. I don't, if you're a lazy farmer, you're not going to be a farmer very long. You don't just plant the seed, walk away, and six months later something happens. you got to weed it. you got to water it. you got to till it. you got to prune it. you got to do all these things. A Christian life is not a life of planting seeds and then doing nothing. It's constant work. It's constant understanding that if you want there to be a harvest, if you want there to be something that God is doing in your life, you got to be a part of it. Can, can I just be honest with you for a second? Can I just, oh, there it goes, you know what I'm saying? Because if you're not used to it by now, you're probably never going to, so I just probably should stop saying, can I just do that? I'm just going to do it. Listen, you have got to take responsibility for your own Christian life. I wish I could go get inside of you and make you spend time with God. I can't do it. I wish I could make you share Christ with the people that God has placed in your life. But I can't do that. You have got to make that decision. You have got to decide, I am not going to sit here on the sidelines. I am going to get involved. You say, I don't know what to do. Come talk to me. We will find you something. Because there's plenty that can be done. But it's not going to be a situation where, listen, listen, listen I, I know you're, I'm going to have to answer to God for me. I'm not going to be there with you. When God said, why did you waste what I gave you? I'm not going to be able to step in and say, oh, oh, let me handle this, God. Let me take care. You're going to be on your own. You have to take responsibility for your life, your walk with God. And that takes work. It does. But listen. The work is worth it because there's a reward coming. But he doesn't just plant and walk away. He isn't just waiting there. He understands that there's got to be work. Next, he waits depending on things out of his own power and control. I have this, this is my hard one, okay? This is the one that I am horrible at because I want to wait and control at the same time. You get what I'm saying? Like, I want to wait for God, but I want to manipulate the stuff to make the waiting be how I want it to be. Sometimes the farmer can't do that. The farmer has to sit there and say, I got to hope it rains. I got to hope the sun comes out. I got to hope the seed I got actually grows. You realize the farmer doesn't make anything grow. Think about that. The farmer does not sit there, go back to his house, and go, grow, grow, grow. God does that. Now, he does things to make growth more possible and more effective, but he doesn't make the seed grow. God does. So patience is understanding that you're going to have to trust God to do what you can't do. Patience sometimes means that you're going to have to let go of something. And stop trying to control it and stop trying to manipulate it. The farmer understands that. The farmer knows that sometimes there's going to be things out of his control. And he has to trust. And he has to know as that happens. And the final thing, he waits aware of how the seasons work. Now that's important. Okay? Because here's the thing. Sometimes we wait for God to do something and it's not the right season. Okay? Now, as I was studying this, I kind of looked at something kind of interesting. Now, now, I'm not a farmer, okay? 
we had, Emily had a garden once. It went pretty okay. We got some stuff out of it. It was good. But I'm not a farmer. Okay? So if I say this wrong, it's because I'm not a farmer. But as far as I understand, growing up, you plant the seeds in the spring, right? And the harvest comes in the fall. I'm assuming that because I went to harvest parties as a kid. Not planting stuff, okay? Now, in Israel, it's flipped. They would plant in the fall and harvest in the spring. As I was studying, that's what, that's what the, the book I was looking at was telling me. We'll have to look at that. If, if, I, if I steered you wrong, just go back to what, the, the, how we do it. But that's what I was told. And that basically they would plant in the fall and harvest. In our, well, basically, maybe they plant in our idea of the fall and spring because they're on the other side of geography. I don't know. Regardless, they would have to do that. Okay? And so basically, it was a situation. Now, if you plant at the wrong time, nothing will grow. Right? If you plant your seeds in the wrong season or the wrong time, they will not grow the way they're supposed to. If you plant things in August here, and you think, I'm going to harvest them when the snow's on the ground in February, I don't think you're going to get a very good crop. Okay? Sometimes, guys, we got to understand the seasons in our lives. Sometimes we have to understand that there are seasons that God is doing in our lives. And sometimes we may go, I want to have a harvest right now. And God says, if you have a harvest right now, the weather is going to kill it. You've got to wait. You've got to know that there are seasons in your life that God is growing certain things. Here's the thing, though. We've got to understand the seasons. How do you understand the seasons? How do you understand them now? How do you know now? You look around you. You feel what the temperature is. You look at a calendar. So how do we do in the Christian life? You look around you. You don't go to a calendar. You go to God's word. And you begin to study and you begin to see, God, what season am I in? You may say, I really want to support missionary A. I want to give him $10,000 a year because I believe he's doing a great job, blah, 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 blah. And I think it's great. And I go, that's awesome. And you're six years old. Ain't going to happen. Why? It's not the right season. It's not the right time. Maybe God is planning that in your heart so that when you're older, that's what you're going to do. But right now, the season isn't right. You've got to wait. God said to me, listen, when I was in uh, getting ready to be a senior in high school, he did something absolutely terrible and horrible to me that I've never forgiven him for because I had my plans and my desires. He said, I want you to go to the ministry. And I said, no. But here's the funny thing. I didn't go right then. I didn't drop out of school in high school and go try to be a pastor. The season wasn't right. I had to get training. I had to learn. I had to grow. I'm still doing those things right now. Sometimes I still wonder if the season's right. But that's what a farmer does. He sees those things. And if we don't, if we don't see those things at times, we're going to miss some things. Next. Practice patient endurance among God's people. Look at James 5, 9. So he basically talks about having patience like a farmer, and then he goes into this. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. Why did he do this? Why did he go right here? I think I know. Because here's the thing. When we get impatient, now maybe you're not this way, but I am. When we get impatient, we get annoyed. We get a little grumbly. Why hasn't this happened yet? 
Why, why, why? Why, why? And you know what I tend to do? Now, maybe you're perfect, but this is what I tend to do. I begin to lash out at people. I'm upset that what I want hasn't happened yet, and so I'm going to lash out at you. I think that's pretty natural. I think that's what happens. And James here goes immediately to it. And he says, listen, as you are being patient, as you are enduring these things, do not grumble at each other. Do not get frustrated with each other. Do not begin to talk bad about each other. That's not going to help the situation. In Philippians 2, 14 and 15, we also see this scripture that's very interesting. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights as the world. Now, I want you to understand something here. I want you to see what Paul is saying. If you want to shine like a light you got to stop grumbling. Remember as a kid, this little light of mine? Remember that? Let's sing it. This was a light somehow. I always thought, I, w- I was the literal kid. Easton's kind of this way too, so just if you ever have this experience, you'll know. You know, I was like, that's a finger. You know, no, it's your light. No, it's a finger. Put it under a basket or a bushel. What, what in the world? You know, that's a hand. That's not the way, you know, and that's why Sunday school teachers were really ready for me to go on to the next (laughs) grade, you know. And I was like, that's a finger. Remember that? Remember, we want our light to shine. When you grumble and you dispute with each other, your light is covered up a little bit. We are in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And that's no knock on this generation. We're all crooked and twisted generations. If we want to be the light that God's called us to be, we need to stop grumbling, we need to stop complaining, and instead we need to be light. We need to understand that. And so we've got to practice that. As we are upset, as we are learning, as we are growing, as we're trying to be patient. I mean, just think about it. You get in the line at the bank or at a a restaurant or wherever, and, and, and you know what? It's hard. You sit there and go, you kind of, you're sitting in the drive-thru. Why won't this person hurry up? Why does it take 10 minutes to order a taco? And we begin to grumble. We begin to complain. It's pretty natural. And that begins to also sometimes happen in the church. And James here, as a pastor, and as someone who cared deeply about his flock, he said, listen, this is normal, this is natural, and basically don't be normal and don't be natural. Be a light in a dark place. Be able to to do that. One of the things I say quite a bit is this understanding that that as we are going through struggle and as we are going through hardships, we will will show the world that we are not like them by the way we handle those moments. When we say, yes, this is hard, but I'm okay and I have peace because God's with me. Next, number three, he moves on. He begins to share about uh, helping us to follow some examples of patient endurance. Look at James 5, 10 through 11. It says, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tender, tenderness and mercy. He gives us some examples. Now, I want to talk about one in particular. And then we're going to talk about Job, and that's Jeremiah. Jeremiah was, was sometimes, he's sometimes called the weeping prophet. 
Um, he had to share some very, very difficult things in a very, very difficult time in the history of the children of God. And what made it even more difficult was there were other false prophets who were basically saying the exact opposite. You know, they were basically saying, oh, everything's good, everything's fine. And Jeremiah was the guy that was basically going, no, everything's not fine, everything's not good. He was kind of the doom and gloom kind of guy, but he was speaking what the Lord was sharing with him. And so because of those things, he experienced a lot. He experienced a lot of mistreatment because of what the things that he was sharing. Uh, the first thing he, I want to talk about is he was beaten and put into socks. I put up here um, Jeremiah 20. You can look those up. They're not going to be on the screen, but these are where these things took place. He was beaten and put into stocks. Next, he was thrown into prison. Um, basically, they took him, they threw him into prison because he had the audacity to say things that they didn't want to hear. Next, he was lowered into a cistern uh, or a well, basically, and left there to starve to death. He had some rough stuff, you know. I mean, I, I don't want to get beaten. I don't want to be put in stocks. I don't want to be thrown in prison. But I mean, even the last thing, they threw him into a well. And the Bible literally records that it was still wet in there. And he sunk down in the mud. I mean, like, he was stuck. And he was left there to starve to death. Thankfully, he didn't. But that's what happened to him. And through all of this, through all of these trials, he continued with his ministry. He continued to share what the Lord had put on his heart. Next, we want to look at Job. Why Job? Why is Job a significant example for the enduring Christian? Well, let's look first at Job, okay? In Job, he's just beginning to experience some of these things. We're not into where his friends come yet. He's lost everything. And basically, this is what he says. Is Job stood up, tore his robe in grief, then he shaved his head and fell to the ground. And this is interesting. I never saw this before. You know, sometimes we skip over stuff. Listen, it says he fell to the ground to worship. I knew Job talked about this. I know he said this, but he literally says he fell to the ground to worship. Wow. Now remember Job. He loses everything. All his kids, all his stuff. He is, he is dealing with boils that are painful. And I mean, this guy is going through the ringer in every way, shape, and form. And what's his response? He falls to the ground to worship. Can I, we just be transparent, okay? Can I be, can I be James for a second? If this guy, what he went through, falls to the ground in worship, can I just be honest? What's your excuse for not worshiping? What's my excuse at times for not worshiping? Seriously, this guy fell to the ground in worship, and this is what he says. I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Are you kidding me? You go, well, yeah, well, that was Job. I can't. Listen, you can do this with God's help. I hope we never have to. Hear me out here. I hope we never have to. I hope our world does not absolutely implode the way his did. But if it did, just honestly, if it did, could we do this? Because I'll be honest, I don't know if I could. I want to. I want God to help me. But I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. But I can learn from this. I can see this. So what, 
What did he understand? What did he get? What can we understand from that? First, he did his best to understand the seasons. He did his best. Listen, he says basically the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. He understood that in this season, for whatever reason, God was taking it away. But he understood that. Next, he didn't allow his circumstances to cloud the truth. Even though all this stuff was happening, he still praised God because God is still worthy to be praised. No matter what your circumstances are. He understood that. He got that. Next, he didn't blame God. You get what I'm saying? He didn't look at God and say, God, how could you? God, I can't believe you. God, you don't love me. He didn't blame God. He worshipped him instead. A lot of times when things don't go right for us, we begin to play the blame game. And that usually causes more problems. Next, and the final thing. He endured the test... And had more, check this out, he had more understanding, character, humbleness, and blessings at the end of the book than the beginning of it. Because he's able to endure, because he's able to survive, because he's able to do all these things, at the end of the story, God has given him more than he had at the beginning. Listen, if you don't understand this, let me make this completely clear. In the life of a Christian, when it's all said and done, God wants to give you more later than what you have today. God has something greater for us to, that's going to take place years from now, possibly, or maybe in five minutes. I don't know. But what I do know is what God has waiting for you and what God has waiting for us is so much greater than anything you have right now. But you've got to be patient. You gotta wait. You gotta be willing to understand at the end of our story, it's gonna be awesome. At the end of our story, we're gonna see God's blessing. We're gonna see our growth and we're gonna see our maturity. We're gonna be able to see all these things that God is doing right now that sometimes are so hard to see. And then James ends this section. He ends this with basically helping us to personify integrity. Personify integrity. Look at this. Look at James 5.12. He basically ends basically this section in this way. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Now, you got to understand something. James here is talking about something he heard his brothers say. Let's look back because Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, Jesus is sharing some things and he begins to say this. He says basically some of the same things. He says, but I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by earth because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is a city of the great king. Do not even say, this is great. Do not even say by my head for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say simple, yes I will, or no I won't. Anything from beyond this is from the evil one. Huh, why does James bring this all in right now? Why, why does, is this just kind of one of those things, because remember he's writing this. You know, is this one of those things where he's going to town and he's writing and God's speaking to him and all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, one other thing. And he puts this in here. It's interesting. It's an interesting place for it. It's an interesting location. Like, as I look at James and I study the whole book, I'm like, that could have been put someplace else. Why here? 
Why in this moment, when we're talking about patience and we're talking about these things, why right now? Why in this moment does James take a moment and say, listen, be a person of integrity. Be a person of integrity. Listen, if, if you say you're going to do something, I got, I'm going to sit down because I don't want to fall over and faint because this is so deep. You ready? If you say you're going to do it, do it. Just let that sit for just a moment as we all... Why, why does James even have to bring this up? Let's just be honest. Because we don't always say what we're going to do. We don't always follow through with what we're doing. Remember, James here is a pastor. We've got to understand the context. Why is he bringing this up? Why is he doing this? I think he's doing this right here in this moment because basically when we are in those moments where we are kind of suffering, we're going to say anything to try to make it go away. Think about it. When, when have you given everything to God? When you got a test in school, <laughs> things aren't going well. Those are the moments, isn't it? Those are the moments. When, oh God, if you could just get me out of this horrible, terrible moment, I will do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. I promise, I swear I'll do it all. And then God comes and God is merciful and God removes those moments. And what do we do? We go right back to doing the same thing we did before. Listen, let your yes be yes, your no be no. And listen, let me, can, I, can I help you with something? You got to understand, in this place, okay, as your pastor, you need to understand this. No is not a bad word to me. Okay? I want you to be obedient to what God has asked you to do and be. And if that means you tell me no, you better do that because I don't want you to be disobedient. The worst thing you could do is say yes when God has told you to tell me no. Now, let's flip the coin. Also, if he says yes, you better say yes. Okay? Get it? I trust in you to be mature enough to hear God's voice and to obey it. And if you come to me and, I, and you say, listen, I've prayed about this and I really feel like God is saying no. Here's going to be my response. If that's what God said, then that's awesome. That's great. Thank you for being obedient. I don't do guilt. Well, I don't do shame. I trust you to hear God's voice and to obey it. You say, well, Aaron, that's not real smart. I don't care. I trust you to hear God's voice and to obey it. You say, well, I'm not good at that all the time. That's why we're growing. That's why we're coming to understand who God is more. Are you always going to hear it right? No, no one ever does. We're going to do better. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. Okay? Have some integrity. Because let's be honest, one of the things that the world hates about us and this place is we don't do this. Our yeses aren't yeses and our noes aren't noes. Our yeses will be fluctuating depending on the situation that we're in. Listen, if God's word is clear, we stand on it. If God's word says no, we say no. If God's word says yes, we say yes. And we do not allow the popular culture of this world to choose for us what God's word has clearly stated, period. Our yeses are yes and our noes are noes. And we stand on that. And if that means that we have to suffer some, some, some stuff, we're going to suffer it. 
because that's what God's called us to do. And we will suffer patiently and we will endure it because once again, we know the reward that's going to come and we know what God's going to do. So at this time, if the worship team would come on back up, we're going to close the service. Kind of an interesting thing to talk about, kind of a thing when nobody likes to, to, to talk about patience. Nobody wants to ask for patience. It's always one of the, the jokes is, you know, the moment you ask for patience, God gives it to you and you wish you hadn't. And so this morning, I don't think we're going to actually ask for patience because nobody wants to do that anyway. What we are going to ask for is endurance. What we are going to ask for is the ability to endure through whatever God has for us. Because here's the thing, that's what we want. That's what we desire. You want to get stronger as a runner or as somebody who rides a bike. You want more endurance. That's what's going to have to happen. We're going to have to have a situation where God is training us and helping us to be who God's wanted us to be. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. When I say we're not going to pray for patience, patience and endurance is kind of the same thing. Okay? But at the same time, at the same moment, we want to have a situation where in these areas, God is forming us and changing us to be who God wants us to be. Patience is hard. Endurance is hard. Enduring through hard moments is not an easy thing. But at the same time, that's what we want. Remember, one of the fruit of the Spirit, patience. It's one of those signs that we are who we say we are. Endurance. Making it through those moments where things just don't seem like they're going to get any better. You see, God's with you, and God's there to help you, even though at times it's difficult. And so this morning, what I'd like to do with every eye closed, every head bowed, and only doing that just again, just to focus, I just want to ask you a simple question. Are you going through something that's difficult right now? Are you going through something that, that you need that patient endurance? You need, to, you need to be not only patient, but you need to endure through this moment. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think God just wants us to be patient because if we're just patient and there's not any endurance, it doesn't last long. And if there's endurance without patience as we don't know why we're doing what we're doing, then we're enduring for no purpose. They work hand in hand. They work together. So it's not just having that patience because here's the thing, I, I hope and I pray that whatever you're going through doesn't last long. Because it's not fun, I get that. But I, I, I will pray this, that it'll last as long as it takes for God to do what God needs to do in our lives. But it doesn't last a moment longer. So really simply, I just, I just want to pray with you and for you. And look, there's nobody looking around. This is really just between me and you and the Lord. And the only reason I want to know is I just want to be able to pray specifically for you. Because these are difficult times. I want to know so that I can call out to our Father with your name. And 
and say, Father, can you please be with so-and-so? Because here's the dirty little secret. God doesn't always just tell me everything about you guys. Sometimes I need to be told what's going on so that I can pray effectively for you, so that I can help. So don't ever feel like you're bothering me if you say, hey, I'm going through something right now. And I just wanted you to know so that you could be praying. That helps a lot. Helps me to understand where you're at. So don't shy away from those things. Those moments are not something to be ashamed of. They're moments to grow from. So maybe you're going through something right now that's difficult. I'm not going to have you come to the front. I'm just going to have you, in just a minute, just look at me so that I can pray with you in this moment, together, and also later. So if that's you, and you're going through a difficult season right now, you're going through a time where you go, you know what, Aaron, I need some patient endurance. I need, to, I need to not only have the patience, but I need to you endure through this time. Can you just do me a favor? Will you just look at me? And I'm going to make eye contact with you. Okay. And when I do, you can look down. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Cool. 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 Once you look at me and I make eye contact with you, got it. You can look down. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? Okay. Awesome. I just want to pray with you. Okay. Pray for you. So let's do that right now, and then we're going to stand, and, and John and the team are going to lead us in a closing, God, uh, closing song. Father, we love you right now. And God, you are aware of every situation, every circumstance, everything that's going on. God, you are aware of those things. And Father, one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. And God, we joke and we go, oh, and I, I don't want to ask for patience because then something's going to happen. And really, that's silly because you're going to bring patience. You're going to bring moments that are difficult to help things in our lives grow. And one of those things is always going to be patience. And so, Father, right now, I had several individuals that looked up at me and basically said, I'm going through a season right now where I need some patience and I need some endurance. And Father, for each individual that looked at me and each individual that is there that didn't, Father, right now, I pray that you would just infuse them with your spirit. That, Father, that you would come beside them right now. You would, excuse me, you would lift them up. You would help them. You would walk with them. That you would be strong for them in their weak moment. That they would understand that they need you and that you got them. That, Father, at the end of their story, their story is going to end in a glorious reward. Their story is going to end with them maturing. Their story is going to end with them being able to understand who you are in a deeper, more intimate way. Those are awesome things. And right now, as, as, as kind of like the farmer, as we're pulling weeds, and as we're, it's, it's hot, and it's summertime, and it's just like, oh, I'm just ready to bite into whatever I'm growing. Father, right now, I pray that, that we would understand that the harvest is coming, that we're going to grow in this moment and grow through this time. And that, Father, that you would give us that peace and that patience and that endurance that changes everything. And Father, I also pray that people we come in contact with will see that and know that you are God and glorify your name because of the way we handle those moments. Help us. You're so good. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.